I feel like these six things we're talking about, they'll till up the soil for the tree to grow, for the yeah. fruit to grow. How do we embrace that which is unchanging? Oh, I'm going to preach on this. I like that. LCBC, that's coming. How do we delay gratification and how does that play a part of our spiritual growth? It's interesting. There's research on this. I just wouldn't want you to wake up 20 years from now wishing you would have made different small steps along the way. This sounds cheesy, but today is the right day to start thinking about those things. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Live Change Podcast. Today, we're talking about happiness. Not specifically about like how to always be happy, but we're talking about like what do we do that's deeper than happiness? Because I don't know about you guys, I think happiness can sometimes be a little bit fleeting. So we're going to talk about how to have something deeper than happiness and how to have it every day and how to instill it in your families. Now, first thing is, am I completely out to lunch on this one? Do you feel like people will sometimes chase happiness? Yes. And, yes. and why is that a problem? Right. Well, because if it's so determined on circumstances, which you have no control over, that means you're chasing something you can never really truly grab. Go on. I don't have anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think it's the difference too of feeling it in a moment yeah. versus um, like coveting something that's like out of reach. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, I think there's something to, and then that has a whole different rabbit trail of like contentment and like comparison and all the things when you're looking for, when you're seeing others be happy and then like there's a balance to strike. Like the goal isn't to go get the same happiness as someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's like also very much uh, how you like are wired to be happy. Uh, and so when you start chasing it, then I think that's when that emotion can feel emptier. You just made me think, um, you know, there's a, there's an ancient wisdom book in the, in the scriptures, which is Ecclesiastes. A lot of people think it was written by King Solomon and one of the wisest men. So he wrote the book of Proverbs, Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, um, and then Ecclesiastes. Oh, no, Ecclesiastes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. Never mind. Sorry. Anyways, um, so he says, this is how he talks about it. He talks about it like chasing the wind. And he says, I tried, I, I pursued sex. Talks a whole bunch about that. Had more than... Well, he had a bunch. Um, that didn't do it, chasing the wind. So then he turned um, towards power, building a kingdom, starting a company, basically the, the largest company in the world. I mean, like he was like an empire. He wanted to build an empire. That didn't do it, chasing the wind. And he talked about leisure. Like, all right, then I'll just sit back and I'll relax and I'll basically just get grapes served to me. That didn't do it. So I think that's what, maybe that's what you guys are, and that's what I'm hearing you guys say is like, there is an aspect sometimes where it's chase. If you set your sights on, I'm going to pursue it. And it's like chasing when if you're trying to always catch up to it. Yes. There's that next dinner, the next thing that's just chasing the wind. And if you start to look at our society, it, it supports always doing that. Mm-hmm. So a good example is like, I, I have, let's say, let's say I have credit card debt. If I have credit card debt, but I really want to take this vacation, and it's like, open up another credit card. Because you deserve. Mm -hmm. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to have those memories with your family. And it's a good thing. You see how it's a good thing? Being happy isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. And and going to Disney with your family and dropping $80,000 on mouse tickets is a good thing, isn't it? I don't know. Because now you're in debt all this money. And you chased happiness for the moment, and it's like you've put off saving for retirement because it's not an immediate gratification. Or if if life isn't happy, Joanna, you go home and like maybe this is you. I don't think it is, but you know I'm gonna give you a, a, a situation. You go home and it's been really stressful, really really angry about like work or anything like that. You have to work with me, and as as pleasant as I may be, maybe I had a bad day too. You go home and you go like I'm just miserable. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna shop on Amazon. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna buy a whole bunch of packages. And on Tuesday, it is gonna be like my birthday at the mailbox. And you chase happiness, or someone might be like, you know, something. I chase happiness, so I'm gonna escape by binge watching, and I'm gonna stay up till one o'clock, and I'm gonna finish this show because that's gonna make me happy for the moment, and maybe not for the long term health, or it's drinking, or whatever it is. But my point is, we have a tendency to, if we chase happiness and wanted to eliminate discomfort or pain. We can do some really bad stuff. And 
like Solomon said, you can chase it all you want. It's going to always escape you. Mm-hmm. Or it's always going to leave in the middle of, of when, when the check comes, happiness leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> happiness yeah. won't pay the check. Yeah. So, but is there a difference between happiness and joy? And Jason, you were starting to get at that. Um, so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like everything we've been talking about, at least, s- s- happiness seems to be more predicated upon um, sort of the, 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 the circumstances that were. And again, I'm not saying it's bad. Like I want better, I want more good circumstances in my life than le- than bad ones. Um, however, I'm not stupid enough to know that it's going to all be great circumstances. If my happiness, so happiness tends to be tied up in a little bit more. Um, what, what do you call it? Tangible, sort of circumstantial um, ty- types of things, right? So, joy seems to be something that's cultivated in an interior place that kind of transcend transcends or can transcend circumstances. And so, um, you know, I'm sure we all know people who have gone through horrendous circumstances in life who have maintained a, a sense of God's good. We're okay. Um, even laughter, even I mean, like, like that yeah. they're able to stay in this place, and that that seems to be what the Bible at least describes as joy, which is one of the fruits of the spirit. We shouldn't forget that. That you know, in Galatians five, it says that this is the kind of fruit. In other words, the this is the kind of life that God will produce in you as you continue to hand your life over to Him, and it's love. You, like you're going to see evidence of more love, and then joy is the next, peace, patience, kindness. But joy is right in the middle of that, which I think is interesting. And those fruits aren't something you can will. An apple tree is not willing itself to make an apple. <laughs> it does make apples because it's an app. It's because it's apple tree. It's, it's it's a natural sort of outworking. Joy seems to be a natural outworking. The more and more we connect to Jesus, yeah. and the more we allow our lives to be sort of handed over to Him, that joy that uh, seems to transcend circumstances. So if there's a mom that's overwhelmed and it's like, I'm not happy right now, like lean in, okay? Lean in. You're going to take one of these away, and it's going to be a really good thing for your heart and soul. So the first thing uh, we're going to talk about is, number one, is to stay grateful and content. So how do we remain deeply grateful in all situations? Like you said, like sometimes it's, it, there, there's uncomfortable situations. There's going to be pain. But how do we stay grateful? amidst that yeah yeah so i think even back to the joy versus happiness or just some of the differences to me also joy is more deeply rooted and so i think gratefulness is also something that's more deeply rooted and so um i would say for me just thinking through like the foundations that i already have built in my life so even where you were just sharing around the fruits of the spirit or the in like the inside working of what God's doing in you, knowing that that's the foundation that um, just for me personally, that I'm starting out of knowing that God is good, that he has my back, that he wants. um, Yeah. Just what's best for me. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. Um, And so even in the situations that are hard, like I know that it's rooted in a place of contentment and God's just the, the want of joy and gratefulness in my life. So again, I just made that sound so easy. It's not necessarily, (laughs) but I think again, like that it's more deeply rooted and just a part of who you are where just the happiness I think can be just more of that like fleeting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But is gratefulness a state of being? Is it like, you know, like I'm in a state of being grateful or is it a choice you make? A choice. I think it's a choice. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Explain. Well, you can always choose gratitude. I mean, you can, you can find something to be, I believe you can find something to be grateful for in any and every circumstance. Actually, Paul says this in Philippians chapter four. He's like, I've learned how to, what does he say? I've learned how to be content uh, with a lot and a little when I'm in plenty and when I've got nothing, when my stomach's full and when my stomach's empty. Yeah. And, and I think um, part of what he's getting there is like, there is a choice you can make always to find something to be grateful for. That's a, that is a choice and it does begin to reset our lens and our framework when we're facing circumstances and seasons of life that, that are challenging that again, circumstantially would not appear to be happy, quote unquote, 
Um, but you're cultivating, I feel like these six things we're talking about, you know, to go back to our fruits and spirit, I think what you're saying today is, hey, these six things will kind of, they'll till up the soil for the, for the tree to grow, for the yeah. fruit to grow. This is, this is how you till up the soil um, to plant, to plant. And I think the first way is, is you choose to be grateful. You choose to be grateful. Every single, you can find something to be grateful. You're like, man, I, I'm going through it. I'm going through this. I'm going through it. Hey, you know what? You know what David said in the Psalms? He said, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice mm-hmm. in me. Like at the end of the day, if all I got is I'm alive, that, okay, so just start there. Like I'm breathing. Yeah. Um, now wow. you, you'll probably build on that, but I mean. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I would say too, uh, there's a verse in James that just says, just consider it all an opportunity for joy. And so like, that's something that I have to remind myself of. Like, um, so school's starting, it's chaotic. We've had a couple of sick kids. Um, but at the end of the day, like to what you just said, like we're, um, still alive, we're going to make it. We have the resources to send our kids to school. Well, and so even in the midst, like, yeah, what can we count as joy today? Um, so yeah, I think that that's like, yeah, like deeply rooted. I had to, I had to cling to that because my air conditioner just broke not long ago and it was in the midst of 90 degree days and i was not happy happiness went out the window happening went down the block took a right wait till you get the bill i I hadn't seen happiness for a while then i had people come and repair it and i got the bill and happiness clearly had moved out of the state (laughs) um but i had to remember to like i was like you know something this we're not taking vacation this year and that made me very unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> I was not happy. But I was also joyful that that my family was okay. Yep. You know, that I had to be joyful that, you know, God had provided us with air conditioning in the first place. What a first world problem. Like, I am not cool enough. Um, so well, I had what, to remind myself. What's interesting is in that 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 passage I was just reading, I was actually pulled up here because the Philippians. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's a full stomach or empty, plenty or little. So that learning is a choice, right? I've yeah. learned it. It didn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to in the middle of a, a air conditioning breaking out, breaking down in a, you know, a mortgage you got to take out to replace it now. And they're not that much, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying? That doesn't come naturally, but you can learn at gratitude because you choose again, you choose a perspective shift. You choose to go, Hey, we got our house. Yeah. You choose it. I'm not, I mean, like, that's not easy. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I got believe, like, Paul learned it. We can learn it too. Yeah. And even that James verse, it says an opportunity. Mm. So, again, you can choose to not see it as an opportunity. Yeah. Um, and it can be a distraction or it can pull you a farther away from where you're headed too. So, again, yeah, I think that's great. It's like we have a choice to choose to lean in or a choice to lean back. So I can choose. So Steph and I were planning a 20-year anniversary trip. Like we were going to go to the Caribbean or something. That's gone now. Now I could well, chase Well, it's cool in your house now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> I, I could choose. It's a choose nice trip to the Caribbean. To, um, oh, man, that stings. I, like my, I'm serious. Like part of me just like, oh, just yeah. sunk when you said that. Yeah. And, oh, but guess gosh. what? Guess what? Uh, I could go and put it on an American Express. <laughs> And I could be like, I want to be happy. So I'm going to go do that. But if I chase happiness, guess what? I won't actually be happy because I'll get back from the trip and be like, oh my gosh, what did we do? Yeah. Um, instead, I have an opportunity to let God teach me about joy right now. Yep. And what's funny is, so you also said uh, staying grateful and content. So American Express also wants to tell you that will make you happier. Yeah. And so I think we also just have to be aware that like where you started, like society will tell you different things. Like yeah. we have to remember as Christ followers, we are living countercultural, um, in countercultural ways than mm-hmm. what the marketing companies are telling us or what our Instagram scrolling is telling us. Cause I, I would bet you that, yeah, your trip would also look really great on Instagram. And we would all be like, Oh, Chad and Steph, how cool is that? But yeah. again, like internally, you guys then would have to be dealing with kind of the consequences of like what it took then to chase that. And the and world that would is tell countercultural. That. Yes. And the yeah. world would tell me I'm okay. Yep. The world would tell me you You'll deserve figure it out. It. Yeah, totally. And maybe even some friends would tell me you deserve it. Oh, no, I don't. No, we don't. Like mm. 
We gotta. We're gonna chase something deeper. Uh, which well, leads and what's me, funny is you might deserve it, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to make the choice to do it right now in that way. And this is what leads me to to my second point, which is so we started this by talking about you know stay grateful and content, but it also is about delaying gratification and understanding that we can't always be happy. So, like Jason said, we can be happy, but sometimes happiness isn't immediate; it's yeah. it's delayed. So, how how does self discipline and self sacrifice play a role in building? So like, like in the scenarios that we're talking about. So like, how do we delay gratification and how does that play a, a part of our spiritual growth? Well, it's interesting. There's research on this just from a, um, from this secular standpoint, there's research that shows that attaining goals and delaying gratification or um, denying oneself to in the pursuit of something, a goal that you have, releases dopamine. I mean, like there is, there is, uh, it does create joy in your life. The attainment of things that you set apart, delay your gratification, uh, in order to pursue something. You know, it's one thing. Y'all remember layaway? Y'all probably don't remember that. Yes. You, you know, you I know what I mean? That. Yeah. You My, were retail. Did you do layaway in your high end retail places? No, but I think I shared a while ago, my first job or my second job was at Kmart. So I remember working the layaway counter at Kmart. Man, is there a picture of Joanna working at Kmart? There has to be. I don't know. I, I think there's. I'll an, call your mom. But yes, I remember. There, there's, a, there's an interesting though, like uh, counter image to this. You know, my my dad grew up, um, and they didn't have a ton of means, and he could tell you about a bike that he wanted. They ended up putting this thing on layaway, so they paid up front. Mm. You know, that's the whole idea of layaway, right? So you go and you pay ten dollars a month for twelve months. Because the bike costs one hundred twenty dollars, and you get the bike at the end of you paying, <laughs> yeah. not you get the bike and then have to pay for it. Is it any wonder layaway is not a thing anymore? Because yeah. people are like, ah, there's yeah, another yeah. way. There's another way. Let's get that bike now. How many people? That, I mean, so when my dad gets that bike, though, oh my goodness, you've been waiting. He's been waiting twelve months, and it's paid for, and it's whatever. All right, now how many things do we go ahead and get instantly? <laughs> And they go in the attic and we don't even see them again. And so I'm more just trying to draw a word picture there of there's something about joy of waiting. There's a joy of longing. It creates longing. And these are things that we don't, we associate negatively. They're actually positive. Longing creates positive emotion. You know what I mean? When you experience the fulfillment of that longing. So I think that's a tilling the soil up for, for, for joy. Sometimes it's just asking, hey, um, I may need to delay getting that now, but I'm going to enjoy it later. So, Joanna, how do you do that when you have a family, though? Let's say you're the person that's kind of the spiritual leader of your family, and you know that we're going to practice delaying gratification right now. But your spouse and kids are ready for immediate gratification. How do you do that? Yeah. So I think for us, even to just stay with a financial example, like we talk about what that looks like in our house. And so, um, like, it's funny, there are times where Finn will ask, Hey, has the budget started over yet? Or, uh, we, one of the vacations, Finn, I love, I I know he's the best. Um, and it's because he knows that when that happens, other things can also happen. Unlock, yeah. 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 And so it's like we have- um, We're getting chocolate milk, mom. Totally. It's like, so we have reset. like a, a restaurant envelope. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. he knows that then that happens. And then it's like, cool, we get to pick like the place we're going to go out to eat. Um, or, you know, there's times where we have vacation coming up and like, you know, the kids are like, can we go to Chick-fil-A? And it's like, hey, not today, but vacation is coming. And dad and I planned that one of the nights we're going to go out to eat. And so I think um, that's like such a like minuscule example. But I think we've just really tried to build some of that language into our family because that wasn't necessarily how I grew up. And again, not right, wrong or indifferent. It's just, yeah, we're just trying to figure out like, how can we have great conversations? Because I remember as kids, my goodness, me and my brother would badger my mom for like, can I have the new Barbie? Can I get the mm-hmm. Pokemon pack? You know, whatever. Um, and it's like, one, sorry, mom. Um, but two, like, how do we, uh, yeah, how do we just have more of a conversation about it? What does that do for Finn, though? Like, imagine that. 
Well, it's not always great. I mean, <laughs> he it might sound like he's curious, but also it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, and so I think just being honest about that too. Um, and that what that's did okay. you do for your kid though? Because he's going to get to college. It's, okay. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. You tell me. What did I like, do for him? <laughs> here's what I think. <laughs> World according to Chad. <laughs> I think what you did is for your kid, he's going to get to college and he's going to be studying. And there's going to be a group of people that are like, dude, we're going to Sheets and we're going to stay out. And uh, notice that's my <laughs> form of partying. My college was very different than other people. Uh, you're so Sealand's Grove, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go to Sheets, MTO. Sheets and no. Uh, but um, he's going to go to college and. He's going to say, no, I have to do this. He's been taught that delayed gratification is a good thing. Like, I'll be able to go out with you guys on Friday, but I can't tonight. Yeah, and I hope so. Like, that's that's huge. <laughs> and, like, he's learned that that's okay. Yeah. But if you came from a, like, we're going to go out anyway or when, you know, well, guess what? He's like, you know, I, I want to have happy today. Mm -hmm. I want to, I don't want to have happy Friday. I want to have happy today. Yeah. So, um, so. The other thing we're going to talk about is, so it starts with, you know, stay grateful and content. We're going to delay gratification. But the third thing is limit comparison. So limit comparison is how do we reduce comparing ourselves to, to others on social media? Um, so what are ways you compare? How are ways that we compare ourselves to others? What are, what are some other ways? Uh, well, well, I mean, uh, it's limitless. We compare materially what we have versus our peer groups, our friend groups. Um, they've got this, they got that, they've got that. Um, we compare our abilities to others' abilities. We compare our giftings to others' giftings. We compare other success or perceived success to other success. I mean, it's limitless on this one. Yep. And it will, it will, it will certainly rob you of joy. Um, because, because you'll, you again, you'll get your eyes off of who did God make me to be, and you're, you're now, you're, all you will see when you compare, you can't help it. That's the whole nature of comparison is what you're lacking. That's the whole mm. nature of comparison. I never compare myself down. <laughs> I never compare myself to, uh, hey, I'm going to go look at some teenagers and what they don't. Oh, man, I'm so, I have so much. I, you always compare up. Oh, that's fascinating. So, so because of that, there's yeah. always a gap. You can never make the gap up. And if you, by the way, get there, you have another up <laughs> that you're comparing to. So it really is a, again, chasing the wind. It's a chasing the wind. That, that will rob you, man, of, of what, you, what you have been given. So you're saying we rarely compare ourselves to someone that lives in Haiti, but we often compare ourselves to the people that live in the neighborhood down the street. No. Well, yeah, be, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not even the neighbor down the street. It's all. It's it's it might be. It's just it's up. It's 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 always a level up from you. So the way you know this is because when you were twenty three and you were like, man, if I just made this much money, I'd be totally happy and content. And here you are today, twelve years later, you're making that much money, and you're like, if I just made this much money, it's 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 always in front of you. Mm. So if that's what you're relying on give you a sense of contentment like it will always be elusive that's that's the wind that's the wind yeah yeah and i think that this is kind of like what you have to guard your heart against or at least for me especially like in the social media space and who you're going to follow and who you're not going to follow and uh how are you not putting yourself always at watching the one up thing um and so yeah so in Proverbs, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And mm -hmm. so then when you think through the determining the course of your life, then I think that's when the, um, well, then like my life doesn't feel happy because mm -hmm. I'm just looking at everything around me and I could never possibly have or measure or do all of those things. And it's like, so guarding your heart also can help keep some of the things out mm -hmm. um, to keep your life pointed in the direction that's meant for your life. Cause I think a lot of that too, is then you're trying to jump into someone else's life and live their life. Well, that what life wasn't meant for you. And so, yes, you will um, have discontentment constantly if you're trying to run someone else's life. Cause again, yeah, that's not what it was set out for you. So I don't know for us, we have to, I don't know. It's hard, but I think you just have to guard your heart against some of that or know if it's a, 
if success is the trigger for you, oh, if I could just be as successful as them or oh, like picture perfect family is my trigger, like then you have to just be careful. Yeah. To make sure that that's not the thing you're looking at or striving to be all the time, because that's not how your life might pan out. I, I, I've i never I, I love the that passage. And I I think I've always viewed guard my heart from the, the immoral. Mm, yeah, I, I've mm. always kind of went straight to like, you know, guard your heart from, you know, those things on TV or the Internet or guard your heart from like, you know, anger and rage. And but I've never thought about guard my heart from comparison. Mm. Guard your heart from letting it wander into that. Like, I wish I could afford that. Yeah. I, how, how do you all guard your heart on this one? Like, I'm not on social media a lot. Just don't like that's like guarding my heart from in multiple ways. Um. um I guard my, I mean, like, how do y'all guard your, what are simple ways y'all trying to guard your, you were saying some of that's like who you follow. Yeah. So it's like definitely who I follow. Um, and I try not to follow a lot of picture perfect things knowing that one, that's just can't be anyone's reality. Um, and if it is like way to go, uh, but yeah, like, I think that that's just a big one. I'm a visual person. So just protecting from that kind of stuff, I think is helpful. I think I have to bounce. Like I have to like, when I start to feel that thing, it's it's no different than as a as a man when when you know lust is around the corner, mm. you have to be like, I gotta get away from this. This is just as insidious in, in in my personal opinion. So when I see that I'm starting to covet a friend who just got a new car, or when I'm starting to see that like, you know, like, oh, they're they're skiing. Weren't they just in Disney? Mm. Uh and Steph and I are paying for an air conditioner, <laughs> you know. That I have to treat that as, because it's what it's going to do is it's going to ruin my night. It'll ruin my night, mm-hmm. and what I'll do is then I'm going to actually sin because I'm going to talk to Steph and I'm going to be like, you know, I'm start mm-hmm. spewing stuff, and I'm going to wake up with that like awful hangover of like I just was mean and all of that stuff. So uh, the minute it starts happening, I've got to go. You know what? We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to. We're going to just bounce. Yeah. I remember that uh, there's a story in John chapter 21 after Jesus is risen from the dead. I always like this little encounter. Peter denied him. He finds Peter on the beach. So Peter denied him before his crucifixion. Days have gone by now. Peter, I can't imagine. Can you imagine how ashamed you would feel? And so Jesus has this incredibly intimate moment with Peter where he basically says, I love you. I love you. I love you. I know you said you denied me three times. Jesus repeats three times, I love you, I love you, I love you. I mean, it was such an intimate moment. And Peter looks back and sees John and says, hey, what about him? <laughs> What's going to happen to him? It's like, hey, bro, did you not just hear? <laughs> like, can you imagine Jesus like, well, I, we know what Jesus said. This is what Jesus, Jesus replied. This is in John chapter 20, 22. He goes, dude, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. That's what he said. And there's some translations like, like, what, what, what is that to you? What are you doing? <laughs> so I think sometimes it's like, what about him? What about him? What about him? What about him? And Jesus is like, back up. I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. This is your life. This is what you've been given. Will, and he makes that invitation. As for you, will you follow me? What if people actually put that on their phones as their like background? And it's what is literally, that to you? What is that to you? That's so a that- great comparison breaking statement. What is that to you? Like so, like well, you're they on got Instagram. The new car. What is that to you? And you click off, and it's like there's your background. They got that vacation. What is that to you? What is that to you? They got the promotion. What is that to you? And like, as a curiosity, what is that to me? Mm-hmm. Huh? I feel like I need to validate myself right now. I need. Wait, what is that to me? Do I feel like I'm losing in life? Do I feel like I'm losing in some way? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a daily surrender. So for me, a lot of the time, what I'm saying in my head. This is a little vulnerable, but a lot of time in my head, I'm saying, this is not about you. Mm. So that applies, I think, in high moments, in low moments, um, in what seeing do you some mean of that, by that. Where it's just like, you know, we're even celebrating someone else's success. Like I think I've uh, shared, I'm an Enneagram uh, three, so I'm okay. I'm wired to want to yeah. achieve and win and all that yeah, fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's like, hey, this moment is not about you. Mm. Or when um, you know, you're seeing the vacation and you're seeing the thing that someone else, hey, that's not about you. That's mm. about them. And so I think that like, that's a daily Mm. and sometimes way more than that, depending on the circumstance where I am very constantly reminding myself, this is not about you. What is that to you? 
Yeah, oh, well, I'm gonna that. preach on this. This is this that's we need to take yeah. that one further. I like that. That is so good. That is so good. Um, now LCBC, we're gonna go. In- that's coming <laughs> at some point. Coming to a stage but, near you. Yes. Podcast has provided much. Um, so we stay grateful. We delay gratification. We limit comparison. We embrace imperfection. So that's our next one. How do we embrace imperfection? How do we embrace that which is unchangeable or embrace that which we can't uh, remove for right now? Like, this is the person that, and let's get deeper just a second here. Like, I talked about the unhappy marriage, or we embrace the fact that someone has passed. And that happiness of that person being in your life is not going to be back. Or we don't look like that person, and you could do plastic surgery all you want. You're never going to look like that person. Or you aren't as, uh, you're not as intelligent as that person, and they, they are able to coast by, or you're not as fast as that person on the track, on the, the track uh, team, whatever it might be. How do we embrace the fact that we're not always going to measure up to the people, the other people? How do we embrace our imperfection or the circumstances? of our life that we feel are imperfect. I feel like part of it is recognizing that there's no finite arrival point. And so I'm not just going to wake up one day and be like, everything in my life has clicked into place and I have arrived. Like I have arrived at the perfect amount of happiness and joy and all of the things like that's just not going to happen. And so I think, I've had to really work to move the words like perfect and perfection just out of our vocabulary even to recognize that like, I'm just, I'm not going to arrive there. And so I think part of it um, is just recognizing that and being okay with that. Mm. And then what do you need to do to like fill in that, whether it's the contentment gap or the happiness gap or the joy gap to move closer to, not trying to live in perfection. I like that. What you made me think of, Joanna, is um, my word is, you were using like perfect and all that. My word is best. Mm. Like that word creeps into my thinking or my, even just my personality. Like I'm, you know, you, you talk about Enneagram 3, I definitely would resonate with that sort of um, type as well. And and so um, I think, I don't want to be a dad. I want to be the best dad I can. I mean, like that mm. word just makes its way into things a lot. And that's a real, really high standard to try to live up to. And I guess if you're not careful, if you, you know, we're talking about how do you till up the soil for the fruit of joy to grow in your life. And if one of the ways is you embrace imperfection, I do think that there's something to this because giving yourself grace, like, no, I don't have to be the best. I mean, in the sense of per- perfect and never get it wrong. I need to be the best in the sense of the best for Silas and Sienna and Solomon which means sometimes I'm getting it wrong. And I just apologize. Like that's being the best dad. I mean, it's not that I got it, got it right the whole time or whatever, or in my relationships or in work or in leading, you know, in your company or in, in the marketplace or the teams that you're on. So I think just be careful what we tell ourselves uh, and being mindful of what we tell ourselves. Um, I like that. And for me, I, I think I could close this part by saying it's about accepting what we cannot change. Mm-hmm and prayerfully looking to, for the things that we can change um, and not, not escaping, not co- not doing, you know, unnecessary coping mechanisms, but, but just accepting the things that we cannot change. I, as a matter of fact, a lot of healing from people with addiction and struggles yeah. have, have had to accept that I can't change how I've hurt people in the past. Yeah. I, I can't take away my bad actions. I can't take all those away. I got to accept that yeah. I cannot change those things. And I've got to embrace some of that. But there is some good in saying that when you let go of the things you cannot change, you can pursue the joy that is deeper. And recognizing that if it takes being, if it takes undoing what's already been done or what can't be changed to be happy, you're never going to be happy again. But if it's saying, I accept that there's some things I can't change. I accept what happened to me or I accept what went on with my family or whatever it might be. You accept that and say, like, I that that's happened or I accept that imperfection. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, because we've been talking about from a personal decision sort of standpoint, you're talking about it circumstantially, and I like that. You know, it's a pretty good place when you get to in life when you realize nothing is owed to you. And that sounds, that is not a real popular thing to say in today's world because everybody 
um, it's actually more what's it, advantageous to play victim or to see yourself in a victim role in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so something is owed to me. The reality is, what the scriptures describe at least as a world that's broken, a world that's like, other than common grace, and common grace is, is basically grace that, that everyone receives because of the benefit of living in a world that God is, is present in. Saving grace is when you make a decision to follow Jesus. Common grace is for everyone. It's, it's a, I woke up, there was sunshine today. It rains on the wicked and the godly alike. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus says at one point. That's common grace. So, uh, like for their crops. My point is, other than that, like there's nothing that's owed to us. There's nothing like, you know, accepting that life isn't fair is freeing. Yeah, growing up, my aunt, like every like every time something happened to us that we were like bummed about or whatever, she'd always say, I'm sorry, did someone tell you today that life was fair? And like every time... <laughs> And it's like funny. Your aunt? Yeah. And, oh, I and love it's this aunt. Who is because this? She, it was not even from a place of like, haha, gotcha. Like, like life isn't whatever. fair. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just the constant reminder that, like, sweetheart, let me remind you if someone told you today that life is fair, they, they were lying yeah, to yeah, you. Yeah. And, and anyway, so like even decades later, like that, like I, I think of that often. And we've, you know, t- told our kids that. And, and it's like, well, sorry, bud. Life isn't fair. We, and if we, someone told you that, they lied. Recently at church, we talked about Nehemiah, and that dude was a, he was not a compassionate guy. No. And I kind of imagine your aunt in the same way. <laughs> like, yeah. if you want compassion and comfort and nurture, you're not going to your aunt. Some people are like, you'll be okay. The wrong She's door. like, yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, suck it up. What do you want for lunch? So, <laughs> and she would talk it out. And so, like, I think you have to leave room for feelings and to yeah, get totally, it all out. Totally, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just love it. Like she just always came back to it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry if someone told you that today. Not true. Yeah. And we lost that. Knowing that no one told you that today. Right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Don't you think we've lost that as a society in some way? Like there was a time in society where you just expected that, that pain and hurt, difficulty and strife well, and all of those kind of things were part. They were bred into this idea of the human nature of like, it's a broken world. Mm-hmm. I mean, like for a long time, you know, mortality rate was low and, uh, and it was like, you could have lean winters and everything like that. But now it's like, yeah, I 100% agree. Again, there's sociologists and, 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 and academics who've talked about this. And one of the things we'll talk about is that there's been a fundamental shift. There's been a few shifts in American culture over the last several decades. One of them has been, it used to be fundamentally understood that what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. That's shifted now that what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. And so um, that's what that's what is sort of infiltrating the cultural air. Um, and so, yes, I think I think you're right. I think there has been a shift to a degree on some of that. And it hurts. I think yeah. it it hurts us. In and our- so the point is to avoid it yes. and to isolate myself and to put myself in situations where I don't even have differing differing viewpoints anymore because you're hurting me. Yes. So I mean, I mean that's where it leads to. And, and how many people don't rise up to challenges for fear that it might be uncomfortable? Yeah, it's the uncomfortable. Or I might lose. I I don't want to start this because if I fail, it'll hurt. Yeah. And right. that's where I think then happiness or unhappiness can stay surfacey. Mm. Like I think a lot of what you guys just shared too, like going through some of those, some of that like uh, adversity. That's also like what cultivates richness and deepness. Totally. Character. Yeah. And so I think that that also can be a distinction of that happiness joy where like joy is like that deeply rooted, that um, stable, that richer emotion behind the the surface of happy. And I think when we try to just protect ourselves from all of the things that bring richness and character um, or adversity, then yes, we can just stay at that very surface level while I'm either happy or unhappy. And I think you just, you can um, accidentally miss out on so much more Mm. by trying to just that like bunker or that like protection. Mm. I love this. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's head to our, uh, one of our last here is, is placing God first. One of the other ways that we can pursue joy is, is by placing God first. And that means what does God want? What is God's timing in these things? What is, how do we put God in the driver's seat of, of joy? 
Like, how do we put God in the driver's seat of making decisions? How do we, it used to be, okay, so I'm going to age myself here. Uh, big kid of the 90s, there was, what would Jesus do? <laughs> and mm-hmm. it became very... Yeah, WWJD. Yeah, it became WWJD. <clears throat> so, but what would God do? What would, how do we put God in the driver's seat of, of our lives so that he can dictate? I think part of it is what we touched on earlier is just recognizing that open-handedness and everything that we have is God's anyway. So I think sometimes the the faster we are to recognize and surrender and give him a lot of these things, good, bad, or ugly, um, I think that gets us closer towards, towards uh, yeah, moving that direction. I like that. I like that. Because it's easier said than done. Totally. I would just, I mean, I guess where my head went a little bit was, was um, allowing God's, what God speaks over us to be the, the, the deepest truth of who we are, choosing that. And so going to Ephesians 1, for instance, as an example, and remembering and believing and trusting, I might not feel it, but, um, you know, for before the foundations of the world were laid, God chose, God knew you and ch- loved you and chose you in Christ. Like, okay, he knows me. He loves me. Um, I mean, like you just go through these identities, sort of who God says you are, and that begins to free you from comparison. And that begins, and over time, all of this is like again, consistent choices over time is how character is built. And we're talking about fruit of the spirit is joy. Fruit doesn't happen overnight. Fruit happens over a long period of time of watering and tilling and weeding and all of this kind of stuff. You got to remove certain things from your life. You got to add certain things to your life. So, you know, I, I feel like some of this, this one right here, Chad, of, of prioritizing and putting God first when it comes to our joy is to the choice to as best as we can to trust that the word of God is true. And that what he says about us is the final word, which means I'm going to believe that even if I don't feel that in this particular moment uh, and let that and ask God to, to reorient my life. The other thing is when you talk about circumstances that aren't uh, favorable, that aren't leading to happiness, all right? Um, I've really been struck this summer. I, I've read a lot uh, in First Samuel, and there's this one particular passage that, that struck me that I thought, oh, man, that's really good. That's faith. That's what the definition of, I mean, faith is. And it was a story where Jonathan, Jonathan was the son of uh, King Saul. And Saul and Jonathan and all the troops were lined up across this ravine and they have all their enemies on the other side and Saul won't go attack them. He's kind of scared. So Jonathan grabs his bodyguard, this one guy with his body. And he's like, let's go do this. (laughs) The guy's like, are you serious? He goes, let's go, man. And then he says this as they're climbing up the ravine. This is what he says. He says, perhaps God will give us victory. For I know that God is able to do all things. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm summarizing there. But, but I know that he says, perhaps, for I know. And see, this is faith in so many ways. I believe God can, even if God doesn't. Like, I believe God can. I'm sure of this. But perhaps he will or perhaps he won't. I don't know. And I feel like that's trust. And so many times when we're talking about these circumstances that, like, you know, uh, I, you know, I haven't gotten where I wanted to get in work. And I don't, you know what? I believe God can if I say faith, but I don't know if he will. You know, with my, I want a spouse. I, I'm single and I've been longing for companionship or whatever. I believe, I know God can. Don't know if he will. That's faith. That's faith. Wow. So, And I think there's a level of something that is deeper than happiness, which is this joy. And the other word that goes along with it is contentment. Mm. Um. I find that when I'm making decisions that are not always, they don't always make me happy, but there is a peace at the end of night. Mm-hmm. There is a peace when you know you're in God's will, even if it's not the outcomes you wanted. Yeah. There is a peace and a, and a contentment that doesn't make sense to people. Oh, I, I, actually at our board meeting last night, um, we always start with, you know, someone on the board will lead, kind of like a, just give us a thought, leadership thought or from the scriptures or whatever. And, um, and actually the chairman of the board last night was doing it and he shared this really good quote um, that talked about the indifference. Oh, pray for indifference. The indifference from other people's opinions. 
because you're so, she was like, the, the author, um, Ruth Haley Barton, was like, you're able to be indifferent to the opinions of others when you're so, um, can, not consumed by, but convinced of the will of God for your life. The, the cl- clearer you are in God's direction for your life, the more indifferent you're able to be to criticism or whatever it might be. Like people kind of, the things that rob us of joy sometimes, yeah. right? The insecurities and all that. It's like, man, I want to be ruthlessly indifferent to all that. Not cold, not apathetic, but indifferent because I'm so um, convinced of God's direction here. So. This is why you see these Herculean people of faith that have joy that just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's this and the last one, the last point we're going to get at, which is keeping one eye on eternity. And when I look at some people that like I, I read, um, I read a book uh, on Corey Tenboom was a woman that had lived in a concentration camp during World War II, and you know, she had seen you know, horrific atrocities, and yet she was able to find joy. She was able to find forgiveness. She was able to find peace. And everyone's like, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. Like, what you've been through should never produce those things. And yet, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that of, of her putting God in her life, making sure that God was at the center of her life. And I think she had one eye on eternity. So how does one eye on eternity play out in our daily lives? Which means, like, you know, knowing that this is not it. I've been thinking about the illustration recently of, you know, if I were to play a movie for, for, for someone and I showed them two seconds of the movie, in the middle of the movie. And then I was like, okay, hey, what's this movie about? They couldn't answer. When you think about our life and our circumstances in comparison to the grand scheme, like God sees the whole movie. You've got two seconds you're seeing. There's no way you can tell the plot. You don't know how, you know, you might just be in the opening credits. You have no clue. And to me, that's what it does. When I begin to keep my eye focused, my eyes focused on the grand, sort of the grander thing happening puts it in perspective in the sense of this is a um, what feels like it's monumental is a blip, whatever, whatever I'm facing right now in the grand scheme of things. But Joanna, someone, someone that, you know, eternity is a far away for. So if there's a young mom or a young person, young guy out there that's saying, you know, like keep one eye on eternity, like I'm 25, (laughs) Okay, you know, like, you know, yes, someday I will die in, you know, a million years. How do you make that a part of even a young person's thoughts? Yeah, I think some of it is recognizing that it's small choices over time build the longer narrative of your life. And so I think sometimes the closer we can be to trying to make those small decisions today, I mean, regardless of where you are, like kind of in the spectrum of your story then the closer you'll continue to move towards fruit, joy, more richness for the, the longer story or the, the whole story that God has for you. And so, yeah, I think that it happens over time. And so what are just the small ways that you can take steps over time closer towards that? So it's not about coming to an appreciation of, of, of our own our own uh, immortality or mortality. Uh, it's it's about it's about making choices that have eternal consequence. It's about you know focusing on you know that there is a bigger story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially like as a young person, I just wouldn't want you to wake up twenty years from now wishing you would have made different small steps along the way. And so, like, I yeah. think, yeah, deciding some of that stuff now, whether it's. Um, how you're building your, your budget or whether it's how you're having conversations in your home or whether it's how you're guarding your heart. Um, like this sounds cheesy, but it's like today is the right day to start thinking about those things and taking small steps over time. Um, so again, like, so the trajectory of your life is pointed towards what God has in store for you and just not missing out on that. I was reading, um, second Corinthians, as you were talking, I just pulled it up and this is how Paul talked about it. He just said, this is why we never give up. 
for our present troubles are small. They're not going to last long in the grand scheme of things. I know when you're in it, it feels like it. You're not happy, whatever, you know what it might be. Yet they produce for us in, uh, in us a glory that vastly outweighs and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. This is about where you set your eyes. You know, rather we fix our gaze on things that we cannot see. Or the things we, we see now will soon be gone. I think that's what I would say. It'll soon be gone. Well, like 10 years, maybe, but that's soon. Like, it'll, like in the grand scheme of things, it'll soon be gone. Give me some perspective on the man that wrote that. Well, that man was beaten, tortured, shipwrecked. Like when we say shipwrecked, we don't even have context for that. Imagine being thrown out in the middle of the ocean thinking you're going to die. Um, we, you know, thrown into prison multiple times. Prisons are not what we think of that today. They were, I mean, almost literally dungeons. Um, mocked. He lost his friends. He, yeah, I mean, his like, friends died. His friends died. His life was threatened. I mean, you know, this man, Paul, who wrote those words, uh, had every reason not to be happy. But yet he finds this ability to stay joyful and content and saying, hey, there is a, why? Because this will soon be gone. But whatever it is you're facing, I mean, like, that's got you wrapped up right now, I understand. Like, I don't want that for you. I want you to be happy. I'm not dissing that. But I just want you, want you to remember you can still have joy in it. This will soon be gone. And soon might be a decade. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, that's two seconds out of a movie. So, wow. And on that note, uh, I, want, I, I want to challenge everyone that's listening today. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, find one of these. Take one of these and apply it into your life today. Use one of them and just start to meditate on it and focus on it. And how you can make that a part of, of your, your rhythm. And maybe it's a couple of them, but in the end, you can chase happiness all you want, but you're going to find that it's a moving target and it's evasive. But when we grow content and when we find joy, um, the, the richness of life, it, it changes. Maybe not as happy, but, but there's a contentment and joy. Um, on that note, everybody, if you love this podcast, uh, uh, go ahead and like, subscribe, share. Uh, we also have tons of, like, we always do uh, show notes so we can make available all of the scripture verses that we reference and uh, all of those things. And as always, if you're someone that is saying that you're a life changed by Christ, don't forget to live that change out every day.